Hello, I'm Bishop Shane Parker, and this is ADO on the Move for Saturday, July 18th, 2020. It is my pleasure as bishop to travel from place to place across our diocese, connecting with people and connecting people with one another. Today's episode begins in the chancel of our cathedral on Spark Street in downtown Ottawa. I'm here at the base of the chancel steps in Christchurch Cathedral, and with me is Olivia Duffin, who's an old girl of the Cathedral Choir, a young woman who's a beautiful singer, and James Calkin, who's the Director of Music at Christchurch Cathedral. Good to meet with you guys in a church. Yeah, thank you. Socially distant. So James, tell me what's happening in the world of music right now and singing with all the pandemic speculations going on right now? Well, there's a, um, a heck of a lot less in terms of actual singing that's going on than there used to be. And, um, it's been replaced by a lot of um, important conversations that uh, scientists and musicians and uh, church leaders have been having about what singing in a time of COVID uh, is, looks like and is going to look like, um, how we're going to um, uphold the, uh, the the art and the ministry that we're called to, but also do it in a, in a safe and um, sustainable way. Um, so there's been a lot of a, a lot of dialogue and and some debate about about uh, the best path forward, um, issues about distancing and about numbers, um, size of ensemble, um, shaping of ensemble, um, have come up and uh, it's very much a live conversation. Mm-hmm. One that that is that that uh, as with most things in 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 pandemic time is is still very much a, a, an open question. And Olivia, how has this been for you as a singer? What kinds of things have you had to do differently in order to keep singing during during a pandemic? Um, I've definitely have had to uh, kick my my whole singing self into overdrive, you mm-hmm. know, because usually I can go to a church and practice, or go to a practice room at university and practice. I have choir rehearsals. Um, different concerts going on and so I'm always singing kind of whether I like it or not at the time Um, but now since none of that is happening I think the biggest challenge for me has just been having that discipline even though I'm at home um, every day and even if you know my parents are home or my roommates are home just still getting up and singing even if it's five minutes ten minutes a day um, and not being too hard on myself really Mm -hmm. because it's a really hard time. There's a lot of really challenging things going on in the world. And, you know, if, if we can sing through it, even virtually, then I think that's the best way to go for it. And how are you connecting with other singers right now? Obviously online. Yeah. yeah. Um, mostly through virtual choirs, um, over social media. There's lots of Facebook videos and Instagram videos, YouTube videos. Um, I was a part of Eric Whitaker's virtual choir that he put on, which is... I think will be released on July 19th in a couple days. And so that was really helpful just to get the music and sit down. And there was a lovely Facebook community of people for the virtual choir. Everybody um, super willing and open to meeting new people, even online from all around the world and sharing their story and their experiences. 
And James, you've been holding the girls' choir together as Andrew McNerney has been holding the boys' choir together through all this. And how has that been moving online? How have you found the girls responding to that? I think, um, on the whole, they've, they've responded really, really well to, the, to that, uh, to the, the, uh, the, the challenge of, of, of keeping um, uh, the community, the sense of community, the, the, the bonds of friendship um, you know, vibrant and alive. Coming into it, the girls' choir uh, had a very strong sense of, 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 of community, a sense of, of, of the, uh, um, the relationships that sort of animated the music making, and, and we've built on that and have had some very strong leadership from within the ranks of the choir itself. Our two head choristers were instrumental in, in, uh, um, in working with me and in, in uh, animating uh, mm -hmm. online conversations and, and activities for the girls. and. Um, you know, it doesn't replace actual singing and, and music making alive, but it's 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 nevertheless a very important thing to continue to do and to um, you know maintain the, the the health of of the health of the groups, um, keep them in a state of readiness for that time when we can can come back together and and, and make music uh, live. Well, we will hear the day when someone says the pandemic has ended and we will sing with all our hearts and all our minds and all our strength. Thank you, Olivia. Thank you, James. Thank you. Thank you. I'm going to let you have the last word, but the last word will be you singing, which will happen right. in just a moment. Yes. Great. Thanks you both so much. Thank you. Here now is Olivia Duffin singing Then Shall the Righteous Shine Forth from Elijah by Felix Mendelssohn.
The largest geographic part of our diocese is in the towns and villages across the Ottawa Valley down to the St. Lawrence and in western Quebec. But the large area of the city of Ottawa and its suburbs is where most of us live. I pick up a conversation now with a suburban vicar. I'm here with the Reverend Stephen Silverthorne here in the Wicksteed Room at Christchurch Cathedral. And Stephen's the incumbent of the Parish of Good Shepherd Barhaven. Stephen, good to see you. Oh, I'm glad to be here. Stephen, tell me a bit about the rather unique ministry that you have at Good Shepherd Barhaven. Well, I've been there for about six years now, and there's a few things that are unique about our parish. First, it's a joint Anglican-Lutheran church, which means that we're members both of the Anglican Diocese of Ottawa, but also the Evangelical Lutheran Church in Canada, uh, Eastern Synod. So that means that we have a bit of a different uh, liturgical expression than some other churches do. But of course, um, since the Waterloo Declaration now 20 years ago or so, um, our churches can share Eucharistic ministry. And so I'm the incumbent there, and I serve both uh, Anglicans and Lutherans in the parish. The other thing that's really unique about our parish uh, within our Anglican diocese is uh, we don't have a permanent location. Instead, we rent space in a mall on uh, Fallowfield Road in Barhaven. And so that gives us uh, both a, a lighter footprint and that we can be more innovative with our use of space. We're also embedded in the community right there in the mall and, and people are walking past us on their way to the restaurants or the uh, the dentist or the, um, the optometrist's office, which are right next to us. Um, but that also comes with a little... Um, Sometimes a challenging thing for especially more established Anglican uh, church people because they're more used to seeing a, a traditional kind of church. And so it takes uh, both, a, a, um, I'd say, an easier entree for people who have less church tradition uh, in their background, but also sometimes a little bit more of a growth curve necessary for people who have a more traditional uh, background mm-hmm. in the church. And Stephen, what, what holds the community together? Mm-hmm. Uh, what types of things... Sure. have drawn people to feel like they are a, a, a close community. They're, they're, they're sure. a parish community in a sense, absent a, a fancy Gothic building. Well, I think it's uh, partly, I mean, the, the something that the quarantine, of course, has thrown a wrench into the works, but are centered on the Eucharist. Um, I think people are more and more aware that what the building is, is a sort of shell um, which surrounds what really the, the power uh, is happening in. Uh, and so I think as a community, we gather around the table and we realize it's the table we're gathering around and, and not simply gathering in a building. Mm-hmm. I also think that people in Barhaven in many ways lack that sense of uh, third space. Uh, what that means is, is that they have their, their homes uh, where they live, and it's largely a bedroom community where people travel, again, prior to the quarantine, uh, tend to travel to other places of the city to do their work. And so they have no um, connection, I think, between their home life and their uh, work life. In the meantime, in the middle, what you run into in the church is an opportunity for you to actually get to know neighbors that you shop and live nearby that perhaps you don't see during the week because you're off at the office. You have a lot of opportunity, I think, to go deeper in your relationships when you're with a community that meets not only on Sunday but has Bible studies and parish suppers and bowling nights and, and those sorts of things. I think that longing for human connection is a place that in the church it flourishes in places that perhaps it doesn't uh, in what can sometimes be a a sort of a a desert of a community when you live in the suburbs. That's really interesting. One of the things the church does offer is the is the offering of community. Right. 
intergenerational gathering, people sing together and yeah. uh, maybe encounter one another outside sure. the building from time to time. I like that idea yeah. of a third space. Yeah. Well, it's it's really interesting. If you think about many of the places where intergenerational mixing used to happen are gone. Now, sports does to some extent. You have hockey parents and, and that sort of thing. But what you often have is that it goes one season and it's over. You also have a group of people, many, many people uh, who aren't involved in a sports team or maybe they don't have children. And so their children are grown up. And so meeting with young people uh, is something that's actually mutually uh, beneficial to both. Um, some of our older congregation just love it when three-year-olds are coming up to do the children's talk or they make uh, just recently our youth group made a whole bunch of cards to everybody in our congregation to send them saying we miss you and we can't wait to be together again. Uh, but also younger people. I think many older folks don't appreciate how much wisdom and maturity they have to offer young people mm -hmm. for whom so much of their life is segregated by age to have that kind of opportunity for people other than their parents and immediate family. Mm -hmm. That doesn't happen in many places. Yeah. And the church provides that sense of continuity between generations. And so the, the, the building means it's, it's not as, as permanent in terms of a geographical space, but the permanency comes through the intergenerational connection and the sense that you are part of a tangible community, perhaps where everything else is in flux in your life. A lifelong community. Yeah. From birth to death. Yeah, womb to tomb. I think that yeah. one of the, the things that our church provides is, you know, how wonderful it is that we provide both. I can, in the same week, baptize a newborn child and bury one of our, our older saints. And to realize that that kind of ministry that spans uh, your entire life, and it's a, it's a sort of a, a foreshadowing or a, or a sign of what God's all-encompassing love is. which we, we, is We are made Christ's own forever. Absolutely. And yeah. those aren't just words. They're, they're indelibly marked, right? And, and to have it lived out with people you may disagree with in lots mm -hmm. of things, but still find that they love you and are there for you in times of need is really powerful. Thank you, Stephen. I'm going to let you do a plug for your podcast since you're participating in mine. Tell, tell us about your podcast. Yeah, it's great to, great to cross-pollinate. Um, I've been now uh, leading a podcast for about two years. It's called The Suburban Vicar. And it's, uh, it's easily findable on Apple or uh, Google Podcasts by searching for The Suburban Vicar. My real uh, um, focus on that podcast is to focus on local community issues. And so sometimes I, I speak to authors who aren't local, but who speak about things like building family formation, about community, about the sense of how you find a sense of rootedness in the suburbs when a lot of things are in flux. And so I've really enjoyed it. Uh, I've enjoyed the interviews, uh, both with local people and, and, uh, and authors, and it's been really uh, enlightening for me. It comes out once a month, and so I hope you, you give it a listen. Good. Thanks, Stephen. It's been very enjoyable talking to you this morning. Thanks so much, and God bless. Oh, thank you. And that concludes today's podcast. ADO on the Move is a production of the Anglican Diocese of Ottawa with sound editing by Nicholas Piper, art music by Gordon Johnson, and production assistance by Heidi Fawcett. May the gentle peace of Christ be with you and those you love on earth and in heaven. God bless and talk soon.